Well, good morning and welcome everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is a very special brand new class for the servingrealestateinvestors.com podcast, videos, Substack, whatever we're doing here. Um, and today's going to be a class on how to run a local investor meeting. I'm trying to, the, the thought process for me with this kind of servingrealestateinvestors.com thing is uh, we just started it. It's brand new. Um, and I am trying to go through everything that I could think of that you would need to serve real estate investors. If you're a real estate agent, you're a lender, you're a mortgage broker, you're kind of an accountant, you're a financial planner, whatever it is that you're doing, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of all the different tools and resources and stuff that you would need. Like, what can I share with you about how I ran our group, how I ran our podcast, how I'm running our podcast, like how are we doing this and what we could do. And so today I'm going to walk you through like how we run a typical real estate investor meeting and you can do that. Now, before we get into that, I'll tell you that I'm going to share with you how I run a meeting, but there are lots and lots and lots of ways to structure these and your way may be completely different than what I'm doing. And you may decide ultimately to do yours very differently than I do. You may decide it's a completely different format. That is your goal there. Um, your prerogative to kind of do whatever you want there. So let's jump into it. So here's kind of like the process and I'll just do stream of consciousness with a couple of bullet points as to how we do this. I'll cover in another class how to like set up the meetup, how to like write the description, how to do the email, how to do all that stuff. I just made a note to do that uh, before the uh, webinar started for a different class. But I assume you've got all that there. I assume you've done all the marketing in order to get people to show up in class. So like this is the where you do when you drive to the meeting, wherever you're holding the class, and what happens there. So I usually arrive early. Uh, for me, I usually arrive about 30 minutes early for a class. Um, in our place where I hold them, I hold them at the Board of Realtors in our local marketplace. They have like an education room where they do all their CE, and we uh, usually rent out the room for the evening um, and get access to that. And so I arrive about 30 minutes early. I set up my computer um, I set up the uh, the desks and the chairs so that they are in the appropriate configuration because sometimes in the CE class they've got them grouped into like you know a, a four top where four people are there because they're like doing their discussions and I like it more classroom style when I do it although I have done the four tops as well uh, so I get there about thirty minutes early I have a um, I probably should show you this I have a, a literally a milk crate that I store all of the supplies for class in. It's sort of one of my memory trigger aids where I stick all the stuff I'm gonna need for class, like the recording device I have for recording the classes, um, all the registration forms, copies of the books, the, um, ID, the uh, name tags, the pens for the name tags, like I have magic markers, uh, uh, Sharpies for doing the name tags. There's some extra pens in there. There's extra batteries in case the, um, the microphones need extra batteries or the remotes need extra batteries or the recording devices need extra batteries. So I have like this milk crate that has basically everything I need in order to take to the class. And I just, I, if I know for a class coming up, I'm going to need something, I just stick it in there so that I have it with me at the class. And I carry that thing out to my car, put it in my trunk, drive to the meeting, take that thing out, put it inside and do that. And so I arrive early, I set up the room, set it up for doing the PowerPoint presentation. I usually have a PowerPoint presentation for the classes. So I set up the computer, set up all the recording stuff, set up the desk. Um, and then I usually have a couple minutes before people start arriving. People arrive a wide range of times. There are some people that are really early. Occasionally you'll have someone show up like, you know, at the 30 minute early spot. Most of the time people are showing up about 
10 minutes to like when it's starting on time. You do have some late stragglers that come in late. I'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, so you have a wide range of when people show up, but a lot of times I'll have like five or 10 minutes from once I get set up to when the first person comes. I usually use that time to just review my slide deck just to make sure I remember what I'm teaching when I do that. Um, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to check people in as they arrive. So a lot of times we'll have a attendance sheet I'll print out from the meetup itself where I show like uh, who's scheduled, who's RSVP to come. Um, I, I will give you a, a tip on this. So about, you know, if, if 20 people RSVP, we usually see about 20 people, but I, it's very misleading when I say that. So I want to make, I want to be hundred percent clear about like what I'm talking about. So if 20 people RSVP, usually about half of the people that actually RSVP'd show up. But then you also have, at least for me, having done this for a very long period of time, you also have about half the people who don't bother to RSVP, don't go on to the meetup, and they end up showing up. And so while you have about 50% show up rate, at least I do historically, from the people who actually RSVP, I only, I usually see about the same number, but about half of them didn't RSVP at all. And they just show up because they show up every week, no matter what the class is, and they don't go on to the meetup and they don't RSVP. Now, this can become potentially problematic uh, as, as we have run into in our current setup. So our current room seats about 30 people, um, maybe 40 people if we get all the extra chairs out of the closet and we have people doing that. And if you really want to push it, we probably can get about 50 people if, if people are willing to stand or we've told people in the past, hey, bring in your like, you know, sports chairs that you have for when you go to the soccer game, you can bring those in and we can stick them like in the aisles and you can do this. And it, now that I think about it, it probably is a fire hazard because I'm not sure what the capacity of that room is. But anyway, we could get like 30 with the desks, 40 if we get the extra chairs and about 50 if we, um, if we have people bring in all their soccer chairs from the car. And so you'll have some people who already have a seat be like, well, I've got two soccer chairs in the car. I can go bring them in. Someone else can sit in them. I'll stay in my good seat at the table. And so we end up doing that depending on the meeting. Now, if you have capacity issues and you know that, you know, people are going to RSVP and not show up or RSVP and or not RSVP and show up, you could have issues with seating. And we've run into that before with some of the more popular classes. Not every class gets that sort of turnout. Um, so I love you want to train people to you have to RSVP or you can't come in. Um, and then we've run into other issues where someone has come in and they're like, hey, I didn't RSVP. We sit them down and then we end up running out of seats later and the people that RSVP get upset because they're like, hey, I RSVP, what's going on here? So you can have some weird stuff happen with that to do that. So anyway, we check people in as they arrive. I usually print out a sheet for, and ideally I have Allison, who was our person who checked people in. But in the early, early days, I just check people in. I know I do that. And in the really early days, early days I'd send around a sign-in form uh, as people were there and did that. Um, I've changed that up. I'll, I'll show you some stuff I've done that's, I think, a little bit better. But that's how we used to do it. So ideally, you have someone sitting at the door checking people in. Um, in our model, we have them inside the doorway. And we have the table turned so that they almost have to face it. So they can't just run in and not do anything. Uh, they, they run into the table for checking in to be able to do it. Some places you'd be able to do it like outside in the hall. Our setup's not like that. Our education room is completely independent. It's got like a glass storefront. And so, uh, you know, you open the glass door and someone's sitting right there and then all the tables are behind them. So that's how we do it. And in fact, if you go look at photos, you can look at photos on the meetup. Maybe I should post a photo of that so you can see how we set up a room. Um, and then when someone checks in, if it's their first time there, we have them fill out a special form. 
And I'll go over this form in a totally different class because I'm not going to have time I'm trying to keep these between like 15 minutes, you know, 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and so I'll cover this in a totally separate form. But this is the handout that we give to someone who is brand new. And you'll just notice really briefly, this, there's contact information. There's a whole list of classes that they can check off that they're interested in. This gives us a lot of insight as to what their interest is. And so it, it allows us to get a feel for like what they want to see. And then there's several questions on stuff, including some questions about, you know, are you interested in becoming a client? Um, and then there's some stuff over there. So we have them fill that out. And the way that I get people to comply with that, filling out the form is I trade them. So if they, I we tell them, hey, look, fill out this form, bring it back up to me, and we will give you uh, James's Nomad book. And so the Nomad book is the book I read, I wrote, let's see. The copyright date was originally 2015. I did some updates in 2017. So um, I wrote this book eight years ago, and then I updated it two years later with some updated numbers. Oh, actually, I wrote that first edition, October 2015. Second edition, which has a spelling error in the second edition, uh, is August 2017. And it's a, I don't know, whatever this is, 133-page book that just goes over a bunch of different stuff about the Nomad model. I will do an entire class. Um, for the serving real estate investors on this book, because this book is really powerful for a number of reasons. Number one is it's it's great introduction to a strategy, probably one of the top two strategies that was working in our marketplace for folks. And it's a great strategy to teach and do stuff. And so you you establish credibility, you give some value of people who register for the first time. And I trade them for that registration form. Because what we're seeing early on is We'd give the registration form and people would just opt not to do it. They'd go sit down, they'd take it with them and they would never fill it out. And so we actually started doing, here's a form, you go fill this out, bring it right back up to me. We only have you know four copies of the book with us tonight. You go do it, you'll bring this thing. Now, I usually carry some extra copies in my car. So even if I only have four copies in the basket, if somebody is like the fifth guy, the fifth new person coming there, I can always toss my keys to Allison, she could run out to my car, grab another book, bring it back in, and we'd have an extra one. Um, there's sometimes when I don't do that, I don't have an extra book, and I promise him I'll bring it to him next time, or you know, just reach out to me and I'll send you a copy or whatever it is. But that's the thought process behind the book and how we do it. So the new member profile, we trade for something of value um, or, or require them to enter the classroom, basically do that. Uh, Jim has a question. What was the second page again on the signup sheet? A whole bunch of additional questions. I'm going to cover this in a separate class, Jim. So um, you can either do one of two things. If you really want to jump ahead, go ahead and pause the screen on the recording. I'll post the recording up later today, provided the recording works, and you can go ahead and read it there or wait a couple of days and I will go over that form in detail. And maybe I'll even give you a like copy so that you guys can go do stuff with. Cool? All right, good. So then I start on time. I, I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in honoring the people who get there on time. Do not say, hey, look, you know, we had 20 people RSVP. There's only nine people here at six o'clock. Um, I'm going to like wait till we have more people. I think that's disrespecting and training your people to actually not show up on time next time. And so what we do is we start on time. I uh, start the presentation. And uh, the way that I work around, like some people showing up late and stuff like that is we do introductions at six o'clock 
Like I start the presentation, I say, hey, James Orb, it's class for tonight. You know, I'll show you the classes we've got upcoming. I'm going to go over a whole presentation slide deck. That's another class. Um, and I'll walk you through what that is. But then I have a, a whole section for introductions. And part of the idea behind introductions, one thing is they want to see and meet people in the room who they may want to network with after the class or hear about things that are working well or not working well and, and social proof, which we'll do a whole class on that too. But the idea is that we allow people to go see that and it gives us some slack adjustment time for people to straggle in late. And if, if we had a whole big group, like if it's a, a class that has 50 people and like 40 people show up like five minutes till, you can't process that many people into the classroom. And so this allows us to be doing introductions, but also allow people to kind of come in. So I don't know, it's honoring those that arrived on time, but then it also, and I don't know, kind of gives you some slack adjuster in there. Then I teach the class. And my classes historically have been um, about two hours, start to finish. Now, there are times when I am much faster than two hours for my PowerPoint presentation, because a lot of times it's, it, what's interesting about, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here because I think it's important. So what's interesting about doing this model versus, you know, doing this repeatedly where you teach one class over and over and over again our model really is you teach a new class every week, right? You answer the questions that are most pressing to your people. You know, you come up with down payment. We did a whole class on, on class time. It's not going to go there again. But you do this class and you're only really teaching it once. And then maybe six months or a year or two or three later, you do an updated version with new stuff, right? The challenge is when you only do a class once, you don't have a really good feel for how long it takes to do the class. It could be that you have 10 slides and that takes two hours. It could be that you have 50 slides and it takes you an hour. And so a lot of times we're not perfect in when we end. And so I like to sort of try to pace myself out. I will slow down. I'll answer questions. I'll go off on tangents, depending on what we need or what we don't need. And sometimes it means not doing an entire section or skipping over something. Sometimes it means taking Q&A at the end and being like, okay, I finished early. Uh, what questions? What's your most pressing questions? And then we'll do like a live ad lib section at the end to adjust for that. So my classes are usually, I say that because my classes are usually two hours. Sometimes you don't plan well or you don't prep for a class appropriately and they're a lot shorter. Um, less so with me, but I used to have, you know, my friend Brian um, used to teach some classes as well. He has a history of going long. And so <laughs> he, uh, he, you'll hear this on some of the recordings if you ever listen to some of the old recordings of classes, but sometimes he'll teach like a, an update to something where the update's like 45 minutes and then he wants to teach a two-hour class after that. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't go and teach like a, a 30 minute or 40 minute like side class and then expect to teach a, a full class after that and not have it go over. And I'm, I try to honor people's time and be like, hey, look, we say we're starting at six or at eight, we do that. Um, so basically we teach this class and we do that. And then, we usually at the end of the class tell people there's a networking opportunity after class. For those of you that want to stick around and talk to other investors and do that, you can go ahead and stick around for what we call the class after the class, which is learning from other members in the audience about what's working, what's going on, networking with people. And for those that, um, I'll go into a very brief side tangent here about something else related to this. So in our group, we do not allow people to solicit on the meetup. You can't go blast people. You're discouraged from reaching out if you're a lender or a real estate agent or whatever and coming to my real estate investor group, the meetup that I'm running, and soliciting people in the group as clients. If I find out you're doing it and we've got a couple 
kind of shills in the audience that if you reach out to somebody, they will tell me, hey, listen, someone's soliciting me. And then that person who is soliciting will be banned. They will be removed from the group completely. Uh, their account will be removed and they will be stopped from joining again. Um, so the appropriate time to like, if you're a lender and you're coming to the investor group to do this, the appropriate time to like solicit people, if you kind of like think of it that way, is in the class after the class. So you can't pass out your flyers. You can't be, you know, um, standing up and doing your pitch in the middle of class or anything like that. You can't do blasts with emails to the members of the group or do individual one-on-one -on -one blasts or stuff like that. That's just not culturally and I you know use that in quotes. That's like our, our, our like group culture. We don't allow people to do that. But what we do allow is if you're a lender and you stick around after the two hour class and there's other people in the room and you're talking to them and you're like being helpful to the people there and they say, what do you do? You say, well, I'm a lender. And if you need loans, I could do that. That's the appropriate time to do that. Okay. So that's sort of like the networking after the class. That's the time for people that are other businesses come in there. And like, I'll, I'll answer a question, which I probably should do. Maybe I should do full class in this. I don't think I have 15 or 20 minutes, so maybe I'll cover it here. So do you allow, I'm a real estate agent, I'm running a meetup group, or you're a real estate agent, you're running a meetup group, or you're a lender and you're running a meetup group. Do you allow competing people from the same industry to come to your group? For example, do I allow other real estate agents to come to my classes and to sit in the classes? And the answer is absolutely yes. We 100% allow them to come to classes. Now, couple little things that they may not realize that I'm telling you, sort of like inside, little secret look inside James's world. So when a new agent comes to class, they can fill out the new form, find out there. Um, there's a question on the back, I think, that asks them if they're wanting to become a client or if they're an agent themselves or they're planning on getting their real estate license. And what we do is we give them a book just like every other client. Um, but we have, a, we have a list. And so the email list, when someone registers, it's got their thing on top there, their email list, if they're an agent, or even if it says, you know, we're becoming an agent, uh, and if they're not interested in becoming a client, I just don't add them to a secret list. And so they just don't get, I don't know, 80% of the stuff that I send out. It's, it's not like, because they're not clients, they're not prospective clients or anything like that. And I'm not trying to teach them the stuff that I was doing and give them the, the really cool stuff I was creating for clients. So I would just not share that particular stuff with them. They were on the meetup and they got notifications on the meetup, right? So they would be notified of the classes if you were using the meetup to do that. Um, but we would not, we're not encouraging. It's, it's just fine balance, right? I'm not like going out of my way to have the room filled with 20 real estate agents. That is not my intent. However, if the real estate agent shows up they get the benefit of being in the group. Now, I, I do, I, I, this is kind of a crude saying, and uh, I'm probably, I probably should not say it, but what I would do is I would, in quotes, I would piss all over the room to mark my territory, that this is a room for my clients and prospective clients, and that I am the official real estate agent of the group, and that if people wanted to do brokerage services, they should come to me. I, it almost to sort of like, I don't know, I don't want real estate agents to come and um, parasitically try to usurp clients out of the group, right? Like that's not the intent. So, but but I'm not. I'm, but I'm okay with them coming and seeing. You know, the quality content, the quality things that we are. Um, you know, sharing with our investors that we're doing a legit above board, very ethical, very honest, very straightforward sort of business. We're not sleazy. Like I want them to see that. I want them to understand what we're doing there, but I was not trying to get the room full of agents and I was not trying to encourage them to keep coming back so they can get clients. 
And Jim points out, you can recruit those agents into your branch, my brother. And I was like, yes, I could if I decided I wanted to run a team or if I decided I wanted to run a brokerage. I did not. I had zero desire to do that. I had a very simple business. But yes, Jim, if you are trying to grow a team, this is a great place to recruit team members. If you're trying to get people to join your brokerage, if you were like, you know, doing like one of these uh, uh, like EXP or what's the other one called that allows you to have people in your downline, yeah, you could totally do that, right? Like that could be a, that could be a major, honestly, that could be the only reason you do the group, right? You could say, I don't care about picking up clients. I want the agents to come. I'll teach them how to work with investors and I will actually teach their investors for them. Bring your investors to the group. I will teach them. You could be my team members. I'll do that for you. And I think that there are people that could be very, very successful with that. Okay. So anyway, that's the that's the way that this, like at the beginning, Jim, I told you, this is how I set up the group, right? Like you could totally do yours, totally different. But this is my model. This is how I was thinking about it. This is how I would kind of do the whole room and, and set it there. Okay. That's all I got for you on, on how to do this. I hope that was helpful seeing how I like structure a running a local real estate investor meeting. I will dive deeper into all these different sections. I'll do a whole class on the book. I'll do a whole class on the form. I will do a whole class on like the marketing to get people to the meeting, what you write in the emails. I'll do all that stuff. We're coming. Um, the, the intent as of right now, and this could change by the way, but the intent right now is do daily classes for Q2 2023. So we have, um, it is April 24th right now. And so we have at least two full months left, May and June, where we're going to do daily classes. So we've got at least 40-something classes probably left to do that. After that, I'm not sure the frequency, uh, because I may run out of steam where I, I can't come up with topics to teach you. And I may do like you know once a week, once every other week, or whatever. We may do like more Q&A classes. I don't know what we're going to do. But right now, the plan is try to come up with enough class ideas to get me through QT, uh, Q2. 2023, provide all the information you need in order to start and run and market and, you know, work with, serve real estate investors, add massive value, do all the different things you could do. But then at some point, I'm going to run out of stuff, I think. So that's where I am. Hope that was helpful for you guys. Hopefully I'll get the recording up. Thank you very much for coming on live, Jim. I do appreciate it. You are one of the first people ever to come on to one of the live serving real estate investor ones. So uh, we do have people watching the videos, which is why we keep doing it. And momentum is there, but there we go there. Um, Jim says, good stuff. Thanks, man. Did you also write books about religion? I did not. So everyone thinks that Or is such like a unique last name. Turns out it's not that unique. It's a very popular name. And apparently James is a very popular first name. So James Orr is the name of a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of James Orrs out there. Um, there's like, I don't know, there's there's probably a dozen of us at least. And uh, and occasionally you'll see some really crazy news articles about someone in court and, you know, someone doing religious books and someone, do, yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys out there. So um not me. <laughs> so it's like you're hiding in plain sight. There's a lot of people there. So thank you very much for coming. I will talk to you all soon. Hope you enjoyed the class. Bye-bye for now.